Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Hello, good morning. Welcome to our Easter service. We are celebrating the fact that a man, Jesus, an unknown carpenter from a tiny backwater of the world, lived, was criminalized and killed for nothing, really. He'd done nothing wrong. And his death, even though it should have just disappeared into the annals of history, has changed the world forever. Why? Watch today. Be with us. God bless you. Hallelujah. It's time for us to study God's word together. We're going to have communion together a little later. After the sermon, there'll be a song and then we'll have communion. So you might want to get a cup of juice of any sort and a little piece of bread to have communion together with us. And then we'll celebrate that a little bit later. You can also use the giving tab um, in our menu. And also, while we're there in the menu, have a look at the Get Connected tab, which tells you how to join our Zoom groups, which are small groups online using Zoom, five or six people praying together for about half an hour. Just wonderful fellowship. And I really strongly recommend that you join one of our Zoom groups. God bless you. Just after Jesus died, his disciples were fearful and terrified and they were locked indoors. And a record of this is given to us in John chapter 20. And it just seems so relevant to me because so many of us are locked indoors, isolated, fearful, not because we think we're going to be put on a cross, but because we think we are going to get some kind of disease. And there is a hope, a message of hope and life in what we're going to read today. So John chapter 20 and verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, so that's the Sunday after Jesus was crucified, on the Sunday um, evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. You know, we are fearful at the moment. We are prone to fear. And fear really is this. Let me see if you agree with what I'm about to say. God promises hope and a good future. We know in Jeremiah 29, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plans and promises are good. But the devil promises evil. You will lack. You will be sick. You will have a disaster. And we choose every day, and may I even suggest every hour and every minute, we choose whether to believe the promises of God or the threats of the devil. And if we choose the promises of God, we are filled with faith, which is hope and strength and positivity and outlook on the world that says the world is not a terrible place. Let me enlarge my world. Let me go out. Let me see. Let me reach. Let me interact. That's faith. Or we can choose fear, which is believing a threat that may not happen. And because it's from the devil, it probably won't because the Bible says he is a liar, the father of all lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. So he promises threats of, of bad outcomes and we choose faith or fear. And the disciples chose fear. 
they had seen the, th the damage that the Jews and the Romans had done to Jesus, and they were associated with Jesus. They thought they would be put to death. They were timid. They were uh, locked away in isolation. Can I just say, there is a difference between being fearful and taking normal precautions. It's okay to take precautions without being fearful. It is possible to take precautions without being fearful. I have a very fair skin. And when I was growing up, I went out in the sun without any kind of protection, no hats, uh, no covering up, no sunscreen. And I got sunburnt again and again and again and again. And now when I go out in the sun, I put some protection on, but I'm not fearful of the sun. I love the sun. Another example, when it's cold outside, we put a coat on to keep us warm. We're not fearful of the cold. In fact, many of us love the cold, but we're not fearful. We are just taking normal precautions. And it is possible to take normal precautions against getting robbed, against getting sick, uh, against in being infected with coronavirus or infecting other people without being fearful. When you cross over into fear, it dominates you. You feel uh, paralyzed. It, it's like it's controlling you and, and you feel like you are enslaved to something. But when you're in faith, you say, I'm going to go out and see the world, but I'm going to be wise. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to obey all the instructions that the government give us because they are looking after our well-being. So the disciples were fearful. I wonder if you're fearful today. The answer to fear is faith. The answer is seeing God, seeing his promises and meeting Jesus. And it says they were fearful, but Jesus came and stood in their midst. Isn't that amazing? Jesus came and stood in their midst. Did you know that Jesus is right there with you now? You say, no, he's not. I'm not in a church building. I'm not in an organized service. This can't be church. Jesus can't be here. Did you know that just about every church meeting in the Bible was a small group in somebody's home? Again and again and again, it, it speaks of them meeting in homes and houses. Very, very few big meetings. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, he was talking about the church. In Matthew 16, he was talking about the church. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose will be loosed. Whatever you bind will be bound. And then in Matthew 18, again, he speaks of the church. Uh, he says the same words. And then he says, where two or three are gathered, I am there in their midst. Church is small. And church is often the, the meeting that we think of as church is not really church. That's just a refueling station. Like you go into the fuel station, you get some fuel in your car, and then you go out and you drive. Church is supposed to be just a fueling station, that little meeting that we have. But real church is all the rest of the week and all the different things we do, using our gifts, ministering for God, reaching people for God, shining His light to our friends, our family, praying, studying. All of that is church. And so just because we have an hour that we can't meet a week doesn't mean church is finished. In fact, it is more needed than ever. But Jesus was in their midst. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, he has a vision of the Lord. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe fills the temple. The, the building is shaken. There's smoke and fire. And there are angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
I take God with me. So do you if you're a believer. Churches, wherever I am, where I meet with one or two other people, suddenly God's power and His presence are there to do amazing things. Whatever we bind or loose is done because God's power is there and God is with you right now. Can I just say that we can also be united in the Spirit even when we're separate. There was a time in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul desperately wanted to be with the Corinthian Christians. He couldn't be because he was in another city, but he wrote to them and he said something astounding. He said in Matthew, uh, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 3, I indeed as absent in the body, but present in spirit, have already judged. And then he said in the next verse, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, Paul says, and the power of the Lord. Paul said he could be there in spirit because the spirit realm doesn't uh, have any limitations of time, past, present, future in the spirit realm is all the same, but also has no limitations on space and we can be united. In Colossians 2 verse 5, Paul says, for though I am absent in the flesh, this is to a different group of Christians, Though I am absent in the flesh, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Paul said, I am with you in the spirit and I'm seeing what's going on. Somehow in faith, we can be united. And today we're going to have communion together. We are sharing God's word and God's time together. Uh, we are praying. We're using the chat features. And in our Zoom groups, we're even more united. It is possible to have fellowship while being in separate buildings. Obviously together is best, but there are times where it doesn't need to happen. In Matthew chapter eight, a centurion, a Roman centurion came to Jesus, said, please heal my servant. Jesus said, I'm gonna come right now to heal him. And the Roman centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, only speak a word and my servant will be healed. He says, I'm a man under authority, I tell things to uh, tell people what to do and they do them. You're the same in the spirit realm. I understand you are the Messiah. And so Jesus healed him from a distance because of this man's faith. Time and distance are not relevant in the spirit. And so we can be one. So getting back to our verse, it says, Jesus was there. Jesus is with you, my friend. Jesus wants to be with you. You're meeting in his name. And as soon as you turn from fear to faith and call on his name, he floods into your presence. He's there with you. I just pray that you would receive and sense the peace of God as he fills that room and fills your heart right now. It goes on to say, Jesus said, peace be with you. They were there for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace be with you. You know, his peace is his hallmark, the peace of God. Have you experienced that peace? The world can be raging around you. You can turn on the news and they're talking about doom and gloom and fear and terror and don't do this and be careful of this and this future may happen and this person and this number of people are sick and there is turmoil all around you just like the disciples in the boat with Jesus in the storm and Jesus is at peace. He's sleeping in the boat because the peace of God is not affected by the circumstances around us. When we have Christ in our presence, when we have Christ in our hearts, when Christ is in the boat with us, we can have peace. They eventually woke him up and they said, Lord, and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Peace be still, he said. Peace be still. And I just want to say to you, the peace of God 
is with you. As you turn from fear to faith, as you open your heart to him, his peace floods in. You see, it starts with peace with God, where we were enemies, but now we're reconciled by the death of Jesus. Then it's the peace of God, where he floods your heart with peace. And then it's peace where you make peace between you and other people and between other people. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Are you a person who tries to make peace or who tries to make arguments and turn people against issues or against people or talks about, have you heard about this terrible thing that's happened? That's not a peacemaker. A peacemaker says, let's get on. Let's get together. Let's not divide. Let's unite. Peace. So Jesus came in their midst and he brought peace. I want to say to you, the main gift that Christ can and will and wants to give you right now is his peace. Just receive it. You say, but I'm, I'm in turmoil. I'm conflicted by all these different reports. Just look within. Look at his promises. Look at his presence in you. Say, Lord, you've got it. You've got this under control. You know what you're doing. You're protecting me. I trust your promises for my future. And Lord Jesus, come, bring your peace. It goes on to say, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Why did he show them his hands and his side? Those were the marks of where he was crucified. Just a few days earlier, they had seen him being brutally crucified, tortured and crucified. And the wounding on his body was extreme. He was then buried and he rose again and he was restored to health. Every cell and tissue that was damaged was completely rebuilt. And now he was healed, but he kept some evidence of the wounds that he'd had because Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes, by his scars, by his wounds, we are healed. We look at his wounds and we are reminded. You in the spirit realm right now by faith can look at Jesus on the cross and then rising again and say, he did that for me. And those marks on his body show that I am healed. My cells can be strengthened, rebuilt. I can be healed right now. I can receive his strength and his peace. Then Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You know, when you've received peace, when you've received something great, the natural response and the correct response is to share it. With great power comes great responsibility. He who has received much of him, much is required. Freely you've received, freely give. These are the, the words of the Lord and the words of Spider-Man, by the way. But the reason that this principle is, is so pervasive is because it's natural and true. And if you're not feeling like you need to give or you're able to give away God's peace, God's love, God's joy, God's help, God's compassion... Uh, just mercy, just whatever it is. If you're not giving it away, I really encourage you to receive it first. Just say, Lord, fill me up so that I can give. And when you've received, the natural thing is to give words of hope and encouragement. When someone is fearful and they're saying, this terrible future is going to happen, you give them encouragement. You say, no, no, it'll be okay. God is with us. God is for you. You tell them about God. You tell them about the peace of God, the peace with God. And you tell them about the rescue plan of God, the promises of God, and you share with them his peace. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. God sends us. It's not enough just to keep it in. We've got to let it out. 
Um, you know, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee are both on the same river. The Dead Sea never lets anything out, and as a result, it's dead. There's no life in it. But the Sea of Galilee has an inflow and an outflow, and because of that, there's life in that sea. If, if things flow through you, as you've received, you give freely. I've received freely, I give. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. As, as you let it out to others, as you minister to others, as you give and share and bless, and you are a, an outward-looking person instead of fearfully looking inwards. If you are a, a giver, you will always have life within you. And then Jesus breathed on them, verse 22. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You know, you can walk into the supermarket at the moment and someone can breathe on you and you imagine. You can't see the little viruses because they're so small, but you imagine there's a little virus in this breath and somehow it's going to get into my cells and it's going to start multiplying in my cells and death will take root. And, and that's the fearful aspect. But I want you to look at the faith aspect, which says as Jesus breathes on you. In his breath, in the breath of his Holy Spirit, is his life. Not death to your cells, but life. And it reproduces and it produces power. The powerful life of Jesus, the same power that raised him from the dead, that rebuilt his body back together, is in his spirit. And as you receive his spirit, you receive his power and you receive his life. And it never ends. It's eternal life. You might say to me, well, this all sounds very interesting, but how do I do this? I want to tell you that me and many, many, many of us have come to a point at some stage in our lives where we cried out to Jesus. We may not have even understood everything about him or about what it meant, but we said, Lord, I need you. I believe in you. You died for me. Please come and forgive me. Please come and heal me. Wash me clean and make me brand new. And his spirit comes in. The Bible says you become born again by his spirit. It's a miraculous thing. And as he breathes on you, life comes in you and it never ends. It's a life that just gets stronger and greater and bigger day by day for the rest of your life. If you would like to pray a prayer with me right now, I'm going to encourage you to pray. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, taking that terrible punishment for me for my sins. I believe in you. Thank you for rising again and showing that you can and you did overcome everything and every power that was against you. And because you're with me and you're in me, I receive your power right now. Lord, come and forgive me. Come and wash me and make me brand new. I give my life to you. I will live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please get in touch with us. Use one of the buttons on your screen. Tell us about it. We would love to help you and to walk with you through this exciting journey that you're starting. We're going to take communion in a few moments. We're going to have a worship song. So please feel free to go and get some uh, juice and some bread. Get your family together and then we're going to take communion together. God bless. So what is communion? On the night before Jesus died, he had a, a meal with his disciples and it was a Passover meal. The Jewish People had a meal once a year to remember how God had set them free from slavery in Egypt. The angel of death was going to pass over Egypt and all the firstborn were going to die. But if people put the blood of a lamb over their doorposts of their house, they were saved. And then they were set free from Egypt and they were no longer slaves 
and they went off into freedom. And every year the Jewish people remembered that and celebrated that. And then Jesus, right at his death, had that meal and he said, this meal is now something Christians must do often to remember my death, the new covenant. Just like God made a covenant with the Jewish people, Jesus said he's making a new covenant with all nations where my death is the blood of that covenant. And the terms of the covenant are I die so that you can be healed and forgiven and have eternal life. And so we take this meal to remember that. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes, I received from the Lord what I, which, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we take the bread, and we look at it, and we say, Thank you, Lord, that this is a remembrance of your body, not just as a historical event, not just something far away. You died for me. Thank you, Lord. And I break it and I eat it in remembrance of you. And just a chapter earlier, Paul said that when we eat this bread, we are also declaring that I am part of a bigger loaf. I'm part of a body, a family of believers. In 1 Corinthians 10, he said, The cup of blessing which we bless... Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. And so we are being united in the Spirit together as we eat this bread. So we take it. We say, Lord, this is just a normal piece of bread. But I consecrate it. I give it to you. I say thank you that it reminds me of you. And as I eat it, I'm being united with you, with my brothers and sisters in other places who are worshiping together right now. And Lord, I'm receiving the blessing of your broken body for me that I could be healed today. Thank you, Lord. And then he went on in 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 25, he said, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we take the cup and we say, Lord, thank you that this is just juice or water or wine. It's a remembrance. But as we drink it, something powerful happens. Your blood that was shed becomes part of my experience in my life. I say thank you that it's not my goodness that gets me to heaven. My sins are many and I could never get to heaven, but your blood washes me clean and I say thank you. And so we take the bread and we break it together and we say thank you, Lord, for your body broken for me. Eat together with your family. Realize we are being united in the Spirit right now. A miraculous thing. How it happens, who knows? But God joins us to Himself, to what Jesus did on the cross, and to each other. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you in your home as you eat this bread right now. Bless you in Jesus' name.
And then we take the cup and we say, thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus, that it's enough to wash me clean. I love your sacrifice and I receive it. Thank you for dying for me. I receive your forgiveness, your healing, your peace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I just want to worship the Lord right now. I don't know about you. So we're going to have a cup, another worship song. Uh, at the end of the service, please feel free to get in touch with us, link up with us. Again, look at our Get Connected page, our Zoom groups page on our website, because fellowship is important in this time. I want to say to you, God is with you. God is with you. Just like the disciples were alone and fearful indoors, locked away for fear of an outward threat. And then Jesus came. He brought peace. He brought hope. He brought life. And then he sent them out. We are the same. We have been given hope and life. We have been filled with his presence. And we are being sent out to do good for him. Stay safe. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please respond to this message by asking the Lord how he wants you to change your life as a result of what you've heard. Allow your group leader to pray with you now as you respond to this word. And if you have been blessed by this teaching, please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com.